right, welcome back to the big program. Just before we get to Mark Spector, Brendan Gallagher will have a hearing today by phone for his hit to the uh, head on Islanders defenseman Adam Pallack last night. So that would be a maximum five games that Gallagher would get. Stupid. Could have been a lot more. That was so blatant yeah. and late. But <laughs> just a phone phone hearing, so can't get more than five games. Time now for On the Mark. Fueled by Booster Juice, download the new Booster Juice Rewards app today to start earning berry points for delicious and nutritious smoothies, drinks, and food that will get you through the day as we welcome in Mark Spector to the big program. Morning, Spec. What's going on, boys? I hear Eddie's been all over the place in there. What's happening? <laughs> well, Isn't you know, I used to play football too. Man, getting old, spec, getting old. You know, Eddie <laughs> took a lot of knocks to the to the melon over his career and played hurt many times, but he is really playing hurt today, spec. You got? Oh, he's a warrior. Right last night. What's what's that, spec? Tough night last night. For no, 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 no. Oh, you're missing. So Eddie had two weeks ago had four wisdom teeth, one baby tooth, and one adult tooth pulled. But he did oh. it after, after the show on two weeks ago Friday because he didn't want to miss anything. He didn't do anything all last week. Came in, looked like he kind of got in a little bit of a brawl. Uh, you know, he was a little yeah, swollen. Should have seen the doctor. Yeah, <laughs> and then it, then spec. Then he had surgery on his eye. And last night he said, "Well, I don't think I can come in." Don't think I can come in, but I'll do it by phone or by the interweb or whatever. But then he showed up at like five minutes to seven this morning. Wow, there's a gamer oh, right there, eh? Man, you got to play hurt, Spec. We talked about <laughs> yeah, it last yeah, week. Well. Are you injured or are you hurt, man? <laughs> <laughs> it's only radio. It's pretty hard to be too injured to do what we're doing right now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's, that's why they called him the real deal, Spec. <laughs> Have you ever awesome. played? When's the last time you played severely hurt, Spec? Like when you were working and you were like, oh, I don't know if I can. Make oh, it just up. being, you know what? Just being sick on the road. Like yeah. it's different even now. Like before COVID, you know, you'd go out on the road trip and you'd cover a playoff run and you'd get worn down and you sit on planes and you'd be sick mm-hmm. as a dog and you felt compelled to get to one of your colleagues and maybe bring you some, you know, some cold drugs and you'd leave your hotel room and you'd scrape your rear end down to the rink and you'd sit in the press box and cover a game now that it's covid like Mm -hmm. it's i never in the first 90 percent of my career would have phoned my boss on a road trip and said i can't go to the rink like i would never have done that Mm -hmm. but i think now you would right no matter how much they're spending to send you somewhere if you're sick it's rude now. You don't go to the press box and make everybody else sick the way we used to. And the team. The team. That's the, and the bigger team. thing. They don't watch you around. Hey, Speck, do you remember back in 2017, so really the first playoff run at, at the new Rogers and up then up in the press box then, I mean, the cold air was just blowing out of those out of the, yep. out of the vents there. Yep. And all the, the whole traveling media for both Anaheim and San Jose <laughs> They had to replace him. They were so sick. Really? Yeah. Everybody got sick. <laughs> they were yeah, just everybody yeah. got sick. <laughs> oh, who yeah, was it? Not, Helene Elliott that came that? I can't remember now. Yeah, she was, looked yeah, like it was just she could have been covering Anaheim. Yeah, just death warmed well, over. Like it's it's I don't know. It's like anything. There's some some we've all changed. Like I pride myself. I never used a sick day, man, in my mm-hmm. career. Like yeah. if they were counting back. 
they don't owe me much, but they'd owe me some sick days. But now, after, since COVID, I think we've all changed our attitudes and probably for the better. Why the hell are we going to work sick as a dog the way we used to? What are we doing? Why yeah. are we doing that? That's a great point, man. Yeah, you're point. just a machine spec, though, like a top physical condition. I mean, just unreal. And he doesn't get <laughs> sick. <laughs> yeah, finely tuned. <laughs> you're taking one of those uh, vitamin C packs every day, aren't you? And I'm an echinacea guy. I do echinacea oh, do all you? the time. Okay. Yeah, I do, yeah. Yeah, uh, not good. So, uh, Oilers, 15 in a row. And, I mean, some people might say you're playing down to your competition, but they haven't been playing their best hockey of late, especially this week. Uh, I think Coach K said it best, we're playing well enough to win, but they need to up their game a little bit, uh, I would imagine, starting tomorrow if they want to keep the, keep this thing going. Oh, for sure. Like, this, there's this thing out there now. People are saying, ah, 15 in a row, look who they've played. Yeah. and. It's such a bunch of garbage. Like every team in the league goes through 15 game stretches against this same competition. Calgary's schedule is the same as Edmonton. It always is. Vancouver's barely different. Mm -hmm. You know, Toronto, every team has at least two of these stretches where they play a bunch of teams that aren't that good. Like, frankly, you're not going to rip off 15 games if every second game is against a first place team. It's not going to happen. So, you know, this is the f- tied with the third longest streak in the history of the National Hockey League. Yeah. How many soft stretches have teams had against some not as good teams over the hundred years of the National Hockey League, right? How many? And how many have won 15 in a row? Five of them, and that's it. So anyone on the internet or anyone phoning you and bugging you about a soft stretch of games, ask how their team did their last 15 against bad teams. Yeah, It's so funny how everybody always is trying to find some sort of angle. Uh, I was listening yeah. to some Toronto media and similar type deal, you know. They're, they're, they're playing good, the Oilers, but look who they're playing. More importantly, we were chatting about earlier, Kevin and I, um, Throughout this 15-game stretch, the Oilers are on their own 13-game stretch of allowing two goals or less. I think that's more um, important and more something that stands out more than the 15-game win streak itself, don't you? Oh yeah, this is for sure, for sure. Like this is the 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 hurdle that they always have sought to get to. They've never been that team. They've won lots of games because they score. Uh, they've never been the team that allows two or less every single night. And, and this is this is how you win 15. They've got this defensive structure to fall back on. When they're not scoring goals, you know, they're, they're, how many games in the streak have been 1-1 after 40 or one nothing, And they come out ahead because they're just not breaking defensively. So, yeah, I agree, Eddie. This And the more times you do it, you know, the more times you do it, the better you are at it. And when the playoffs come and it's 1-1 against Vegas and it's 1-1 against whoever you're playing, you can fall back on this and say, hey, we're, we're good at this. We've done it a lot of times. We know what we're doing in these games now. I don't think there's ever been an Oilers game, a team in the playoffs that can look back on a stretch like this, right? There hasn't been. And, and have that muscle memory how to win a tight game. Mark Spector with us on Sports 1440. Kevin Carey's Eddie Steele, 810 on a Friday 
morning. Oilers will uh, look to make it 16 in a row tomorrow afternoon against the Nashville Predators. The Preds beat Minnesota in Minnesota last night 3-2. So when Corey yep. Perry spec was uh, announced on Monday, the kind of target date for his debut was Saturday against Nashville. I would imagine that's still the plan moving forward, uh, but we will find that out I guess, and confirm it later today after practice. Your thoughts on his uh, debut, I guess, tomorrow? Yeah, Knobloch kind of backed off it a little last night. He said, we got to decide if we're going to play him. So, um, I mean, the guy's ready to play. He's in shape. You got to break him in at some point. He's coming in to play minimal minutes on the fourth line. He can't, you know, I don't see him really hurting you. Right. I mm-hmm. think I'd rather see him play one game and then have the break instead of breaking in on the road in Nash or in Vegas, Vegas in, you know, what could be a momentous game. Um, so I, if I'm the coach, I'm running him in for sure to my lineup. I'm going to play him at fourth line somewhere, fourth line, right wing. Uh, it's time to get the guy playing. You acquired the player. Let's go here. Eddie. Yeah, yeah. I, I wanted to talk about Knobloch, and I just wanted to ask you boys just both a question here. In the history of the game, I know, okay, forget the win streak because that already is creating its own history right now. Have you guys ever seen a coaching change where the new coach comes in and has such an instant, immediate pulse feel for the team to pull all the right strings, it seems? Have you guys ever seen that with another club? Go ahead, Kev. Maybe not to this extent. You always see, they always talk about a coaching bump for whatever, two, three, four, up to 10 games. I don't think we've seen anything like this. So like under Knobloch, they're 25 and six. That's not a, a, a that's not sustainable. There's no way that's sustainable moving forward. They're 23 and three in their last 26 games too. So, but for him to make, to realize, even, even look at yesterday's game and you can see what happened against Columbus, and they made the change in lines going into the third period. Now, that resulted in a big third period against Columbus. And just the fact to leave McDavid and Drysaddle together for last night's game against Chicago, it kind of maybe just sent a bit of a message, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if now those two guys are separated for tomorrow's game. It wouldn't surprise me at all depending on what kind of uh, matchups and what um, what kind of mixing and matching he wants to do if Corey Perry comes in. So that's kind of where I stand. I, I don't think I've ever seen anything this long. Speck? No, I think when, when Woodcroft showed up, he had an unbelievable run too, remember? And it, frankly, it lasted all the way through the third round of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, the numbers not aren't quite what these are, but he was, that's a comparable. Uh, uh, just got a text. Gotta say, Sorry, Speck. I'm going to throw this one at you, too. Text just came in uh, from Tom. Craig Berube took over St. Louis. They were in last place, and they ended up winning yep. the Stanley Cup. So there's, you know, an uh, extended. Is that good when you win the Stanley I Cup? Guess, I guess, yes. <laughs> but he, he never he never went 25-6 and six or 23-3 and three either. Well, that's right, but he did what you have to do, yep. what you're looking to do. So, you know, give Knobloch credit. He's not just sitting back letting a good team roll. Like, he's making changes. And, and look, like, let's let's look back in hindsight. We'd be roasting him if he made changes that didn't work. Mm-hmm. He puts Drysaddle and McDavid on the same line for the first time in a long, long time, and they both have three points and a 3 nothing win. You know, so on that night, like these two guys haven't carried Edmonton. They have not carried Edmonton offensively in very many games during this last 22 games. And they did last night and the coach put them together. And you know what? I, that to me, he pushed a couple of buttons last night and he pushed the right ones. 
and let's see what buttons he pushes. Eventually, it can't go on forever, but <laughs> right now, when he pushes the buttons, man, he's getting results. Give the coach credit. Well, I mean, he is pushing. Everyone is pushing the right buttons, but again, they have to elevate their play tomorrow or else this is going to come to an abrupt stop because Nashville's a lot better team than uh, both Chicago and Columbus are this week. I think it's... Eddie, you tell me this now. So... It's an afternoon game, which is weird, and the Oilers are always very unpredictable in afternoon games because we don't play many out west here. Right. Uh, it's the last game before everybody's got a plane trip with the family to Cabo or Arizona <laughs> or somewhere warm, right? Dalmany. The last game, wherever they're going. The only two guys that are going to the All-Star game are uh, McDavid and Drysdale, and everybody else is going on a holiday. Is this, I to me... That's a Saturday's game is a total wild card because guys are completely distracted at home with kids and wives and trips mm-hmm. and suitcases and family. And what do you think, Eddie? Oh, well, they're playing Nashville, yeah. so you don't need anybody but Leon to show up, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no, yeah, in all reality, guys are probably checked out for sure. Uh, that's human nature, but I talked about it earlier with Kev. Uh, Knobloch, he's saying they're not talking about the win streak. We're not focusing on that. I call 100% hot garbage on that, especially as a player. You know what's at stake, and you know that if you get over this one win here uh, against Nashville, then you got Vegas down the pipeline for not only a division game, but streak of history is on the line. And uh, I really think that they're going to more than likely show up. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. What do you think, Kev? Yeah, I think uh, one more. You kind of go. Let's just uh, let's just put in a good, good effort, and then again, we can enjoy the break even more so than we would have, have, you know, just seeing this streak come to an end. So that's what I see tomorrow. So, hey, thanks for this, Beck. We'll see you down at the rink, and then find out if there's cell service at the top of Knob Hill on the Knob Chair for Tuesday morning. See if we can get you from up there. <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? All right, boys, I'll let you know what happens. (laughs) Thanks, buddy. That's uh, On The Mark, energized by Booster Juice. Get the boost you need at Booster Juice. When we come back, our headliner of the day for Mr. Reuter, Howard Balzer, Sirius XM NFL Radio. Coming up right after the break, Kevin Carey Show with Eddie Steele. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. That's a a request from the King of Fort Nasty playlist Friday, Captain Tractor. Time now for our headliner of the day, brought to you by Mr. Rooter. They are sports fans like all of our listeners and are pumped that Sports Talk Radio is back. For all your plumbing needs, go to mrrooter.ca as we welcome back Howard Balzer from Sirius XM NFL Radio to the program. Howard, good morning. You're with Kevin Karius and Great Cup champion Eddie Steele. Thanks for uh, checking back into Sports 1440. Great being with you guys again. How are you doing? We're doing great up here, Howard. We're really looking forward to the games this weekend. Before we uh, get your opinion on those, just your thoughts on what's been going on with the coaching carousel, I guess, in the NFL, uh, specifically yesterday with what we saw in Atlanta with uh, Raheem Morris. Yeah, we got Morris and, of course, Jim Harbaugh this week, so a very busy week. It leaves only two more openings now uh, in the NFL. But, you know, it was interesting after all the talks that, you know, the Falcons had with Bill Belichick and everyone was wondering, might this be where he lands, especially considering that he hadn't had any known interviews with any other team. And she really wondered about that. But, you know, Raheem Morris has been a guy that maybe not on the media's radar that much. And when 
coaches are mentioned as possible head coaches. Certainly the offensive coordinators get mentioned and maybe more, quote, high-profile guys. But Morris is a guy that has a lot of supporters around the NFL. And not only is the, not only in the job he's done as a defensive coordinator, but just in his whole approach and, and the way players talk about him. And so I think he's one of those guys that, uh, you know, he'd been with the Falcons before, you know, some years ago, and they felt that he was the best move. And so mm-hmm. an interesting move, you know, by the Falcons right now, especially as, you know, they go away from a guy who had had an offensive orientation, Arthur Smith, before he got the job. And while, you know, the Falcons had, you know, a solid roster, they were 7-10 and 10 for three straight seasons, but you still wonder about who's the quarterback. And that will be the biggest question with Raheem Morris, A, who's going to be the offensive coordinator, and then how are they, how are they going to go forward with a quarterback? And so you know, that, that's going to be an interesting one. Uh, to follow there, but uh, one that you know, maybe a lot of people didn't think he'd end up getting the job, but obviously they, they liked a lot what they found in Raheem Morris. You know, I was watching the announcement on NFL Network yesterday when Adam Schefter made the announcement yesterday, Howard, and uh, Ryan Clark just about jumped out of his chair. He was so excited about it. So do you think he really stabilizes the defense in, in Atlanta? Well, he could, and that, that was a pretty good defense. You know, they've got some – you know, good you know good talent there and so yeah I think that's that's going to be one big part of it but you know I, th- I think sometimes and I've said this many times guys in the past on whatever shows I've been on or when I, I voice my opinion about head coaching searches in the NFL I find it strange in some ways maybe not because everything you know every you know the NFL is a copycat league certainly it's a, lot, a lot of sports are copycat leagues but it's so predictable every year that when the, the jobs open up, that, ver- that most of the candidates, a large percentage of the candidates that are being talked to are, are the, hot, quote, hot or the guys that are offensive or defensive coordinators. When, I, when I've always felt that teams should be looking more to guys who are leaders, who have led teams, who can set a way to, you know, to, to set a culture, and all those things, and it doesn't really matter if you're a really good coordinator. That doesn't necessarily translate to being an excellent head coach. And so I think, like you said, with the, uh, you know, with the reaction of Ryan Clark, it just shows the respect that he's had as a coach and as a leader. And it goes more, it's more than you know, just what side of the ball you coached and whether you were, you were a coordinator. And I think it's notable, guys, and I haven't heard this talked about a lot, but, hey, so be it, of the four teams – that are playing this weekend, three of them are coached by, have head coaches who were never offensive or defensive coordinators before they got their first NFL job. Wow. Andy Reid, John Harbaugh, and Dan Campbell. So that should say something, I think, to NFL teams. And yet we very rarely see teams venture out of that, not only not hiring anybody, but not even talking uh, to guys that might not fit into that little box and maybe think outside it a little bit. But I, I do think that, that Morris, you know, perhaps, you know, we'll see, perhaps fits outside it, but certainly you need the support in getting players, all those things. I mean, he was a head coach with, with Tampa, had one winning record, overall not a, not a winning record. So, so there's so many factors that go into whether you win or lose. But the biggest thing, obviously, is, is, is getting the players that are going to help you win. And that, most of the time, is not up to the head coach. 
We're talking all things around the NFL with Howard Balzer. Now, Howard, just before we transition away from coaches', coaches talk here, I want to talk about the Panthers and their hiring of Dave Canales. Uh, now, they recently hired Dan Morgan as their GM, who was in Seattle with Dave Canales. This move to hire Dave, again, it was kind of um, off the radar type of a move, in my opinion. Is this move solely uh, to really help their young quarterback uh, progress because we know Dave Canales had some success with Baker Mayfield? I, I think certainly that's probably you know a big part of it. I think that, again, speaks to what I was just saying, this whole feeling that, well, you, if you want to develop a young quarterback, you better have his head coach who's offensive-oriented. Well, that's not necessarily – it still comes down to who the coordinator is. Now, I will say this, that what some organizations look at when they're deciding between an offense-oriented coach and a defense-oriented coach, that if you have an offense-oriented coach and then you do well, then a lot of times that offensive coordinator is going to get cherry-picked to be a head coach somewhere down the line, and now you've got to get a new one. Whereas if the head coach is the guy whose offense it is and you lose a coordinator like Andy Reid has done over the years, like what just happened with Cincinnati, I mean, Brian Callahan was the offensive coordinator, but the head coach, Zach Taylor, called the play. Mm -hmm. But losing his offensive coordinator is not that big a deal in that situation. A, they promoted the quarterback's coach to the job, but the offense stays the same. With, with the head coach who, who put it in. That doesn't, that doesn't often happen when it's a defense-oriented coach. If you lose that offensive coordinator, all of a sudden you're bringing in something new, something different a lot of times, and that can be an issue, especially with young quarterbacks. But teams, a lot of times, don't, you know, they look at it that way. They, oh, we better get an offensive coach. You can develop quarterbacks with a defense, you know, with a, def, with a, with a head coach that's defense-oriented, but there's, you always stand the chance of then losing whatever – stability and continuity you had mm. if at some point that offensive coordinator gets hired as a head coach somewhere else. Howard Balzer, our guest on Sports 1440. Kevin Carey is Great Cup champion. Eddie Steele with you on a Friday morning. So this weekend, Howard, we've got the AFC Championship, Baltimore and KC. Uh, I would imagine that Lamar Jackson is your hands-down pick for MVP, but this is a, probably the biggest game of his career so far to uh, you know, slay the dragon that is uh, Patrick Mahomes. How do you see this one kind of <laughs> shaking down in Baltimore? Yeah, it's, it, it should be a heck of a matchup. I think both games will. And but you like you said, it's that narrative that's always out there. Have to win the big one if you're going to be you know talked about in you know as, as a great quarterback. Doesn't mean you have to because we've seen it happen with other quarterbacks who never have when 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 their careers get looked at in total when they're done. But it still it still drives the narrative. I mean, heck, I can remember a few years ago when the Broncos got to the Super Bowl with Peyton Manning as the quarterback, and it was actually more with defense as the reason they got there. And there's that narrative out there. Well, you know, they need to win that Super Bowl for Peyton Manning to, to cement his legacy. And I'm thinking to myself, are you kidding me? The guy's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer no matter what. And so does, does cementing your legacy mean that you're talked about on talk shows and TV shows as one of the best of all time? I mean, I don't think it should, but a lot of times, you know, that's what happens. And that'll certainly be the case, I think, with Lamar Jackson, who's going up against a team and a head coach and a quarterback that have you know have won a bunch already. I mean, Patrick Mahomes right now has a playoff record of thirteen. His teams are thirteen and three with him as the starting quarterback. That's pretty. That's pretty phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And so that's what the Ravens are are trying to stop. I think 
what decides this game will come down to which defense plays better, but it should just be a heck of a game, and and, and everyone just hopes it's a close game, and you, you never know with games, even when teams are evenly matched, turnovers or things like that can change the you know change the arc of the game, but I, I think, you know, Lamar Jackson has proven himself to be one of the best that there is in the NFL. And like you said, he probably will be announced uh, three, three, was it Friday, three days before the Super Bowl as for his second MVP. Mm-hmm. Howard, shifting over to the NFC, uh, does the clock strike midnight for this Detroit Lions team? But I can't even really say that, though, <laughs> because this Lions team, they're not a Cinderella story. They're no. a really good football team. So can exactly. they compete with San Fran? Yeah, well, I, oh, I definitely think they can. And in some respects, they are a Cinderella story. Uh, when you look at, you know, what, you know, what they've done to get where they are uh, right now, and even in the second, the second season with Dan Campbell last year, they got up to a really bad start, and everyone was saying, oh, my goodness, this, this, where's this team headed? Then they had a great finish and now followed it up this year with, with a tremendous year. So, yeah, I, I think they can. I mean, we saw Green Bay stay with San Francisco, and so I don't think there's any doubt that the, that the Lions have the confidence that they can do the same thing on Sunday in Santa Clara. So, this, like you said, this is a very, very good football team. Both sides of the ball have weapons on offense, and that's key, obviously, going against an excellent defense that the 49ers uh, have. And, and then it'll be a matter of stopping that, that 49ers offense, and I think a real key in that game is the health and availability of Debo Samuel. I mean, guys, we saw earlier this season when the 49ers were off to a tremendous start and they were undefeated and they were scoring a whole bunch of points in every game. And then Debo Samuel got hurt in their in the next game against the Browns. Trent Williams, the left tackle, was also hurt. And they ended up winning only they, – they lost their next three games in a row and only scored 17 points in each of them. And then when Williams came back and Debo Samuel was healthy, they went on you know, another great run to finish the season and end up as the number one seed. And we saw it last week. They struggled somewhat on offense after, after Samuel went out. And that was in the first quarter because all of a sudden defenses play you different when you've lost one of your excellent playmakers. And we saw that Brandon Ayuk did not have as big an impact as he sometimes have, has because – Debo Samuel wasn't there. So it looks like I would think he's going to try to play. The question is how effective he will be and then how the defense adjusts or reacts depending on what he's able to do when he's out there. But I think that's a big, big factor in that 49ers offense. And I'm, I'm sure the Lions are looking at it that way and saying, hey, these guys are excellent on offense, but here's some things that we can, that they feel they can do to try to slow them down. So, yeah, I think that, that, that should be a tremendous matchup too. I think it's you, know, you have two – you know, one in three seed games, you know, one in three seed teams uh, in each game. And I think that just shows that most of the time, even though we talk about all these different teams, most of the time when you get to this late in, in, in the postseason, it's the teams that were the best during the regular season that make it this far. Howard Balls are with us on Sports 1440. One more for you, Howard. Uh, we had you on uh, about three months ago when we were talking about the Pro Football Hall of Fame and you were a voting member. And about two weeks ago, we had Steve Tasker on the show. And, of course, a wonderful career with the Buffalo Bills. And he's kind of inching closer in the process. Uh, where are your thoughts on Steve Tasker, uh, his possibilities of ever getting to Canton? Well, I don't know if if he if he believes he's inching closer. I'm I'm not so sure that that's accurate because mm-hmm. now he's in 
the seniors category, which is very, very difficult to advance, just like it's difficult in the in the modern day process. And he was a semifinalist, uh, you know, many times. That's the top twenty-five, mm-hmm. but I'm fairly sure he never became a top fifteen guy. No, and that doesn't mean he that doesn't mean he won't doesn't have a chance as a senior. But I'm on that seniors committee also, and when you, when you, when you look at the list of players that we begin to pare it down, well over a hundred. And you look at some of these names and you say, how did this guy not get in during his modern day eligibility? It just shows how difficult it is. And, and it's tough in his status as a special teams guy. And, you know, we have one in the top 15 this year for the third or fourth year, Devin Hester, who of course was a special teams guy, but he had the splash plays, right? He had the touchdowns on punt and kickoff returns that made him stand out. Steve Tasker, certainly a great coverage guy, but it's not like if you're a fan or even a media pro, whoever, yeah. oh, yeah, let's talk about three of those great tackles that Steve Tasker made. That he on made on punt. <laughs> yeah, you can't think of those. And that doesn't mean he wasn't a great player, but it's a little different when you're talking about a special teams guy that's like Hester or like a kicker. I mean, coming up pretty soon, Adam Vinatieri mm-hmm. is going to be a first-time yeah. eligible, and that's going to be very interesting to see how his candidacy goes with all the big clutch kicks that he had in his career. So that makes it tough you know, for guys like Steve. And I'll say this, there were a bunch of guys, there were several guys before him that perhaps should have been considered. A guy named Bill Bates, who maybe was one of the first special teams cover guys that ever really got noticed um, with the Dallas Cowboys. And he did what he did while he was still playing on defense. You know, most special wow. teams, guys, that, that's pretty much all they do. And, you know, they're not starters on de- on defense, and Bill Bates was. So mm-hmm. it becomes tough as a voter when even if, if a guy's in the semifinals or whatever it is, and then all of a sudden you're picking players that were every down guys. And to pick a special teams player becomes becomes tough. And I think that, that's a part of the process. It'll be very interesting to see if he starts getting some traction in the years ahead yeah. as, as a senior's finalist because that's the first step in being in the top 10 or 12. And it is 12 that have been discussed the last couple of years for the three spots that are available. So mm-hmm. we'll see you know, if that happens coming down the road, but it's not an easy path. Oh. I'll say that. Yeah, absolutely. You guys have such a tough, tough job. Uh, Thanks a lot for coming on, Howard. Really appreciate your time. Enjoy the games this weekend. Look forward to talking to you uh, in the months ahead. Appreciate it. Look forward to it, guys. Take care. That's Howard Balzer, Sirius XM NFL Radio, and our headliner of the day for Mr. Reuter. There's a reason they call him Mr. For all your plumbing needs, go to mrreuter.ca. When we come back, it's time for Are You In or Are You Out? With Eddie Steele. That's coming up right after the break on the Kevin Carey Show with Eddie Steele on Sports 1440. All right, welcome back to the big program. Is that a request, Duke? Is it? From Donovan the intern. Oh, Donnie P. What's up with that? That's not from your era, Donovan. Hey. No, the song. Oh, oh my God. Wow. Okay, we're, we're going back. We're going back to Donovan the intern. I, I, I was thinking about this because they call him Donnie P on Fantasy Frenzy and whatever. And I thought, you know what? I, I started Donovan the intern when this is now week three or two. Yeah, this is the end of week three. Yes. Okay. I thought, okay, there's a certain time where you go, okay, Donovan the intern, we can take that off. But now it's back. No, you're back. You're back. <laughs> Donovan the intern. Yeah. Sorry, man. I don't Sorry, know about Donnie P. I don't know about Donnie P. That one. Uh, Who started that one? Connor. Connor. Yeah, Connor. Donnie P. 
I just wanted to call him Donnie P-Boy. <laughs> but that also isn't landing very well with the uh, oh. uh, focus group. So Probably we're still not. working on it. I mean, everyone went, well, Donovan, the intern, I'm staying with it for another. That, it's a week, one more yeah, week. He's, he's earned another week. Another week probation. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, yeah, the song, obviously not from your era. <laughs> <laughs> Time now for Are You In or Are You Out? We had some great times. We're about to have some more. I know that look. I'm putting together a team. Then I'm in. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. Are you in or are you out? On Sports 1440. I'm out. All right, Duke, let her rip. Oilers went in their 15th in a row last night. Cal Pickard in what was his 100th career start, pitching his fifth career shutout. Uh, I'm saying since being recalled, Cal Pickard's play has provided enough confidence for the Oilers brass that they will not be acquiring another goaltender before the trade deadline. Man, you always bring up the tough ones right off the hop. I've enjoyed Cal Pickard's play. Uh, You know what? When you see him... uh, at practice in the room and you see him with his teammates they love this guy and he knows his role to a T um, he's playing it to a T and I just think that right now I'm going to go I'm I'm in on this that they don't the confidence is there right now the way that Stu Skinner's playing not saying that this won't happen but right now uh, there's another five weeks to the trade deadline right now that he, his play has given the brass enough confidence to not even think about making a move right now. So I'm in on that. Having said that, we still got another five weeks to go here. I am going to be like you, KK. I'm going to be in, but my reasoning for being in is because the play in front of him has been supremely better. Um, he's playing well, of course, but the play in front of him has been just so much better. They're not leaking chances. So when the goalie's not having these grade A slot shots every third shot from the opponent, he can settle into a game and have that confidence. So I'm going to be in for the reason that the play in front of him is just so much shored up defensively. Mm-hmm. Nashville Predators in town tomorrow for a matinee game from Rogers Place. Uh, Nashville, of course, one of the prime destinations for fans, but of course the players and the teams like to travel there as well for whether it be rookie parties, nights out, uh, a number of things to get into. But uh, I'm saying in recent times, due to the building of Rogers Place, the convenience of the facilities both uh, in-house and just staying across the street in the ice district, the environment inside the building, and the quality of play you get to go up against the best players when you're in town taking on the Oilers. I'm saying that teams actually look forward to road trip stops in Edmonton. Do you want to go first? I'll go first. Yeah, Yeah, just as a former player, I am totally in that uh, players like coming here. This is a, a road trip destination. Facilities and all that, it's really nice. But a player, they want to play in front of a sold-out barn. And you're going to get that when you come to Edmonton nine times out of ten. As a CFL player, I love going to Regina. I didn't love going to Regina to go and visit Regina. It's to mm-hmm. play in front of a ruckus, ruckus crowd. It's uh, Mosaic Stadium. 
and to be playing in front of a passionate, sold-out crowd. Mm-hmm. That's what juices you up as a player. Because who's kidding who? When you go to play a, a team as a visitor, you're only in that city for 12, 15 hours. You're in there, you're getting a meal, maybe looking around wherever you're at within a couple blocks, and you got your game to play, and then you're out of there right away. So you're not there for the sights and the sounds, but if you can get a packed barn, that's what you thrive for as a player. I am in on this as well, and a lot of it, sorry to disagree with the pun part, is the facility. Players would come here years ago and not like exactly, uh, how do you say, staying at a hotel quite away from Northlands Coliseum. Now, you know, they're staying right across the street. They don't have to leave outside. They have the walkway across 104 Ave. They have the crossway. They're never, ever going outside if it's cold because that a lot of these guys, they'll go on a road trip and they pack one little tiny jacket and then they get up to, you know, Western Canada and wherever and it's like, you know, minus 25 and they can't believe it even though they know that that's what's going to happen. I think the facility has a major thing to do with it. I think Ice District has a major thing to do with it. But I agree with you 100%. Crowd, atmosphere, you're playing two of the best players in the world and you want to be at your very best. And again, the atmosphere at at Rogers, especially come playoff time, is top of the heap here. It is. The way I look at it, sorry, just one quick cut Mm -hmm. in. Would I rather play it because BC Place great facility for football? Yep. Would I rather play in a half-empty BC Place stadium just because it's nice for me as a player, or play in front of a sold-out IG Field, twenty-eight thousand people uh, outdoor stadium? Not as nice. I would probably want to play in the the fired-up stadium. Well. That's because, you know, look at you. You're coming in today. and you're Yeah, just... they, I, they, <laughs> hey, man, they don't build them like me, man. <laughs> the real deal, baby. The real deal, man of steel, uh, built different here on a Friday morning. Uh, number three, looking ahead to championship weekend in the NFL. Baltimore Ravens taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes on the road for this one for the first time in an AFC championship game, getting his first real road playoff win last weekend. Uh, I'm saying Patrick Mahomes will, at minimum, equal Tom Brady's mark of eight straight AFC championship games. This year is number six in a row. Out. Yeah, this is six. I'm out. At minimum, match eight. That means the next two years he's going to be there again. Uh, The competition in the league is, look at what Lamar Jackson's doing in Baltimore. Buffalo, who knows if they'll ever be able to slay that giant. Um, Cincinnati, they with a healthy Joe Burrow. Who knows? So I don't I don't foresee them going to another two straight, mm. especially because we're seeing that roster starting to decline in talent a little bit. And when you have a quarterback that's making sixty million dollars, if not more, that really thins out the roster in other areas. Is Travis Kelsey gonna play two more years? That should be the question here. Because if he's not, then I agree with you, Eddie, because this is I mean, again, six straight, so you need two more to equal the mark. I don't think he'd ever go past, but I mean, Travis Kelsey is the key to this whole question because if they're receiving core, I mean, Rasheed Rice has been very, very good and will improve, you would think, in years two and three to match this mark. But after that, and here's another one. Pacheco has been very good this year compared to last year. You know what? Just for the hell of it, we've been agreeing the first two. I'm going to go, I'm in on this one. I think Kelsey 
uh, something happens between him and Swifty, and he stays for a couple <laughs> couple years. Him and Swifty have some sort of maybe they get married, maybe they break up, whatever it is. Whatever but it is now motivates his, him. His focus is going to be on football for a couple more years because he wants to be one of the greatest tight ends ever. And I'll go. I'm in on this one. Focus on football, yeah. not I, Pfizer. I, I, <laughs> nice. I uh, I just think like if they got there again this year on the road, the t- the receivers all stink basically all season. But come playoff time, it's Patrick Mahomes. Like we, you guys talked about it earlier. Like when we we're talking about trying, like Baltimore's favored in this game. Buffalo was favored last week. There's just like but Patrick Mahomes batty. is the best football player mm-hmm. probably to ever play the game, at least for the quarterback position. It is incredible. I'm not saying he's going to match Tom Brady's Super Bowl count. That would be an unbelievable feat. But like all these other guys, the great quarterbacks, the new crop of them coming in the AFC, like it's it's just Mahomes doesn't matter who's playing wide out, who's playing each position. He gets there. Look at the rotating cast he's had in the six he's been to already. So like it's I, I this I was doubting them this year. I still think they're gonna lose on Sunday, but I think they will be back there year after year after year as long as Patrick Mahomes is taking snaps under center. Hmm. Number four, Raheem Morris hired by the Atlanta Falcons, uh, despite a lot of rumors tying them to Bill Belichick. Morris, of course, previously with the Falcons and has served the last three years as the defensive coordinator for the LA Rams. Uh, I'm saying that defensive coordinators, when they maintain play calling duties. As the head coach, they have a shorter shelf life than offensive head coaches that do the same thing or your quote-unquote CEO head coaches that do not have any play-calling duties. I'm going to go in that the uh, defensive-minded head coaches have a shorter lifespan. Um, Belichick and Mike Tomlin, they're the outliers, right? Those are guys between the two of them. But Mike Tomlin does is not a play caller. No, he's not a play caller, but he's a defensive minded he, head he coach. He is exactly, absolutely. And those guys, they've been around for you know between the two of them like thirty years. Other take those two out of the equation. It, it's a very short lifespan for defensive minded or play calling head coaches. Uh, in the NFL, football is about scoring points. Offense is you need an offense in order to have any type of success. Uh, you need a quarterback to have success, so you need an offensive-minded coach who can communicate with that quarterback. So I'm out. Okay, I- I'm out I'm on this in. one. Sorry, or, I'm so, yeah, I'm in on this one as well. And I'm not going to give much more. Uh, I'm not going to add much more to Eddie's, only because I want more time to talk about question number five. <laughs> uh, before we get to this, the one thing being, because if you're a head coach and you're a defensive guy, play caller or not, all, if you have success, your OC almost always ends up going to head coach somewhere else. So you have to replace them more often. If you're at least the CEO head coach, you have like the tickets in your back pocket of firing your DC, firing your OC as like get out of jail free cards at least one or two times. If you're the defensive play caller and the head coach, like that automatically is one of those tickets out of your pocket, right? So that's my main reasoning behind this because obviously we uh, have seen a couple OCs already get hired this offseason and maybe even a couple more on the way with a a few vacancies left. It's exactly like what Howard was touching on. Yes, 100%. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, last one for you guys. This, uh, of course, inspired by the fact I've been <laughs> back and forth from Delburn this week uh, at the Delburn Farmers Curling Bond Spiel as the club celebrates its 100th year anniversary. In a recreational capacity, any sport that can be played while having a drink on the field of play tops ones where you can't. Take her away, KK. Wow. I mean, everyone knows what the answer is here. <laughs> and I mean, Duke put this in for personal reasons. I'm just wondering, Duke, okay, so you got the curling. 
I mean, did you ever play darts or like are you a dart guy? I have played darts. Uh, like there's actually a little dart league down mm-hmm. in Delburn uh, amongst some of my friends. Uh, I think it has since went defunct uh, mm-hmm. or at least shrunk. But uh, I, I, I didn't play in it, but I went and like watched and partook. So like the darts, because like I love beer league hockey, but you don't drink while you're playing. Like you drink. What do you mean after- you don't? You drink, you drink at the inter. You have a drink at the intermission, post game, oh, okay. whatever. But like playing slow pitch. So you're curling. telling me during a hockey game, you've never kind of, you never sneak a beer in your water bottle on the bench. Literally this Wednesday, I had a beer on the bench in the third period because we were up eight nothing. Well, I mean, here we but go. Here, but here's the thing. <laughs> While it's like flag football, like you, you're playing, like when I play slow pitch, I can actively catch a fly ball with a drink in mm-hmm. my hand. Okay. You can't do that when you're playing hockey. You can't do that when you're playing flag football at, at the at the local uh, field, playing uh, hard um, pickleball at the at the Y or racquetball. Like it's it's just there's there's a it's a very niche thing, obviously. But it, like it's, I like I love beer league hockey, but I like curling and I like slow pitch more. For the beer and to play, just, to play because like you're drinking just, during the game. Yeah, and it and it's just a more relaxed environment as a result. Like, look at how many hardos there are in beer league, and you get run into some hardos playing slow pitch too. But it's it's I mean it's obviously in a contact sport, so it takes mm-hmm. some of the animosity out. But yeah, I don't know. Like it's uh, got a text said cornhole requires you to drink. There you go, cornhole darts. These are all top shelf. Wow. So, so my thing is, these are all such slow pace. Well, that's games. why you can drink. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm full tilt, though. You yeah. know, the real deal is not playing flag football and <laughs> after chasing around quarterbacks coming off and slugging beer. Have you it's, ever played slow pitch? No, to be honest, me I'm, neither. I, I've never had a summer. Not, yeah, me neither. Never. And because like I've played men's fastball, which is the equivalent of beer league hockey, and it's real, real. It's not baseball, but it, you know. Fast pitch, it's not slow pitch either. But same thing, we drink afterwards okay, in the now, parking lot. The most important sport that you haven't mentioned here yet it is golf. There you go. Recreation sport. Yeah. Hands are tied. Well, yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah that's so, I mean, well has there ever been a round, Duke, where you've never had a beer on the course? I don't think I have ever played a round of golf without having at least one drink. Really? Yeah. Oh, like on I'm the course, on the course, on the course. Yeah, oh, I, definitely. I probably have to agree with you. Like it. If what I'm about po- the six a.m. eight a.m. tea time? I've if the bar's I'd not open s- yet, I've got a canned Caesar tucked in the cooler. Hundred <laughs> percent. The six a.m. where you got the old Bailey's, eh? Well, or the uh, the uh, Stiegel, the two point five percent breakfast beers. Oh, yeah, <laughs> those are nice to have. A Extra grape, light, grapefruit, really light. Yeah, guy can wolf down about ten of those. Yeah, that was your meal. Well, I think we're all in on this, I think. Yeah. I mean, there's no question about it, but I didn't know Duke did a lot of this. You know, I was surprised during the rec hockey game. I might it's, have to get you some help, Duke. <laughs> <laughs> always responsibly, okay, just, okay. Like, just like all my gambling. It's always done responsibly. AM uh, so just texting, boys, the answer has to be golf. Yes. Um, 100%. Golf. See, I, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking other – golf's not, you know, it is recreational, but – I'm thinking of like if I'm playing hockey or football or basketball. I can I'm not, I can't come off on the sideline and play <laughs> that, pickup basketball. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, you just got you got your uh, your bud heavy there right on the yeah. bench. You know, Tiger Savagery. Tiger Tiger's texts in a lot. He, he has a decent text. I don't think I can even read it on the air. 
Well, uh, only only if his wife listens, then you can't read it on. I don't. I'm not even going there. We'll tell we'll tell Eddie at the break. Tell here. me off, yeah. uh, Eddie. Hey, thanks again for uh, sliding in, playing hurt. Yes, get well. Take up. it easy this weekend. So you can can you watch the games, or are you gonna have to? Yeah, I'll be laying low and watching and listening at the yeah. same time, kind of in and out, keeping the eyes open and shut. Yeah, yeah. Well, you got to keep putting the drops in. Keep, and... putting, keep it lubricated. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll be good though. I'll be good, fellas. We really appreciate. I was I was shocked. I was waiting to kind of do this, you know, when you were either on the interweb or on the phone. So yeah, I wanted to surprise you. That was great. I, that was a surprise. Had a lot of fun too. So uh, thanks for coming in, Eddie, and we will uh, talk to you next Friday. Alrighty, boys, have a great one. Have a wonderful weekend as well. That's uh, Eddie Steele, brought to you by Bon Ton Bakery. It's been an Edmonton fan favorite since it opened in 1956. Their slow and steady approach is a tradition that they are proud of, and it shows in their products. You can order online at bonton.ca. Top of the hour, we'll have our ski report. Then, really looking forward to having a couple of curlers in studio. Laura and Jeff Walker, husband and wife, parents of two little boys. But how do they juggle? How do they handle everything? What they have to do with their commitments to their teams and family and everything else. Also at 1040, Hal Gill, Nashville Predators analyst, as we tee up uh, tomorrow afternoon's game between the Preds and the Oilers. Uh, Before all that, time now for a Sports 1440 update brought to you by Tommy Guns, home of the ultimate grooming experience. Our hot towel shaves, awesome haircuts, and treatments were designed for you. Book now at TommyGuns.com. Here is the Duke.